The one thing about animals, I think, that draws me into them so much, I think God gave them to us as a reminder of what we should be. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we're celebrating the gift that God has given us through our pets, and we talk with two women who have been deeply touched by special relationships with God's creatures, animal rescue advocate LaVon Redfarin and musician Erlene Mandrell. Up first, we talk with LaVon Redfarin, the founder and executive director of Proverbs 1210 Animal Rescue that operates out of Middle Tennessee. Proverbs 1210 tries to help as many animals as they can, and they partner with the Nashville community in many ways to match pets with a loving family. LaVon tells us about the earliest days of the organization and why she thinks God has given us these wonderful little creatures. My name is LaVon Redfarin, and I am the executive director and founder of Proverbs 1210 Animal Rescue. Many people ask about the name of our organization, and Proverbs 12.10 says that the wise man is kind to his animals. And uh, as a child, I grew up on a farm, and we always had animals, and we were church-going Christian family. And that verse stuck into my mind, even as a child. And so in adult years, when I decided to do the rescue, that was the perfect name. I never had a doubt what name it would be. Proverbs 12.10 is an organization dedicated to saving as many of his helpless as we can. We take animals from many, many different circumstances. We pull animals from kill shelters. We take a lot of animals that, that most aren't going to get. We take a lot of senior animals. We even have a hospice program where we may pull a senior who's 16, and we know that dog or cat doesn't have a lot of years, but we will put it in a foster home and pay for its care for the remainder of its life as long as it has quality of life, because every life is precious. Uh, We also, obviously we have puppies, we have cats, we have um, adults' dogs. We have had an occasional different animal. We've had um, a few horses. We've had um, a ferret. But typically we are a dog and cat rescue. We take uh, any and everything and do our very best to match them with a perfect home. We also have a partnership that we're very proud of and it blesses both sides. We are partners with the Davidson County Sheriff's Department's inmate program called Second Chances. And these are nonviolent offenders, women, um, who are incarcerated They have no history of violence. They're usually drug charges or something to that effect, and they're trying to get their lives back in order. And they foster puppies for us. These puppies that are fostered by them live in uh, the jail, in the cells with the inmates. Uh, They have big common areas. They can, they have inside common areas when the weather's inclement where they can play. Uh, They also have two huge fenced yards just for these dogs to go out and play. And those puppies are such a blessing to them. Each time one is adopted, they write a letter that goes with the puppy. And invariably it will say how that animal has blessed them or taught them patience or given them something to wake up for inside those bars. So it blesses the animals because it allows us to take more. It allows us to have um, a camaraderie with people we normally wouldn't meet. And so it's a ministry on both sides, and the puppies are crate trained. When they come back to us, they're, they're good on leashes, they're partially and sometimes totally housebroken. 
And so we've mended hearts and we've helped animals, and that is just something we're so thrilled with. And we anticipate extending that program to work with adult dogs and some men uh, incarcerated. And those dogs will be placed as service dogs for PTSD people. So we're we're thrilled with that because obviously we're an animal rescue, but anytime we can bless people, um, that's even a better thing. It's a double blessing. This has been a passion since I was a small child. Um, I did not grow up thinking that I was going to do an animal rescue. I just always loved animals and they were my playmates. But as a child, uh, this all evolved. I would have to say my first experience that actually broke my little heart, seeing the need for animals was in the rural community where I grew up, people had to haul their trash to the city dump. There was no garbage pickup. And I would ride with my dad in his pickup truck to haul the garbage. And it only took me one trip to notice that puppies and kittens had been abandoned there. And so I started riding with him. I didn't want to miss a trip to the dump. And I would wear baggy clothes and I would get a couple little foundlings and stick them under my shirt. And then I would insist that I ride in the back of the truck on the way home, which in those days was perfectly acceptable. <laughs> and I would arrive at our farm and bounce off and put whatever little foundling I had snuggled home in a barn or granary or somewhere and slip it some food. And then the next morning I would say, look what I found. <laughs> but it didn't take my parents very long to realize that trash takeoff and puppy or kitten arrival had a correlation, so that didn't last too long. But just seeing them dumped there, it just broke my heart. And in those years, I mean, that was, uh, gosh, late 60s, early 70s, there wasn't an awareness of the animal needs like we have now. But that haunted me forever, and I was forever picking up strays and uh, trying to, to help. In college, we would sneak animals into our dorm room. I mean, well, this has gone on through every phase of my life. I actually am a, a teacher by profession. Students would come to me and say, well, there's a dog in my community and no one's feeding him, and they would bring it to me and I would figure out where it was going. And then finally, after I had small children and I was on, actually was on vacation, and my husband said, you're never going to be happy until you do this. And so with the family blessing, I decided it was time to form Proverbs 12.10. And uh, my daughter at that time was probably eight, nine. And she and I started going to local shelters and asking if we could take puppies or kittens or dogs that were going to be put to sleep and work with another organization. And, and get them placed, and they graciously allowed us to. Uh, initially, my daughter and I would be sitting at a local pet co with one cage and a couple of puppies or kittens um, that had, had been fixed and were ready to be adopted, and it has evolved over the years until uh, we are at the point that we place an average of a 1,000 animals a year. We have adoption events every Saturday, rain, sleet, hell, or snow, we're there, and um, we have between 30 and 50 volunteers every Saturday. And we have just been immensely blessed with faithful volunteers. We have some that have been with us 10 or 15 years and, and never, they never miss. They're there. It's, uh, 
we call it the Proverbs family or the Proverbs nation. It's beginning to be more inclination. We've grown so much. On Saturdays at Petco, it's just like a caravan of people. The sheriff's department pulls up, unloads puppies, and it's car after car after car of volunteers, and they all have red shirts on, and everyone's smiling, and everybody hugs each other. And our organization has a family feel. It really does. And um, last year, sadly, one of our volunteers passed away unexpectedly. And everyone showed up at the funeral in their red proverb shirts. And it was just, it was just a testimony to how closely knit we are. And people came from far and wide. And um, the Saturdays are exhausting, but they're also the day that we meet with family. We truly are dedicated to all in our care. I got a call one April morning in 2012 about a nine-month-old puppy that a girl had been trying to catch for weeks. It had been dumped on a farm. Well, she called and she was frantic because the dog had been shot in the face and had been there three days like that. So, long story short, we managed to catch the poor baby in a live trap. We named him Pokey because he was a black and white little puppy, just like in the Golden Books. And we had half of his face reconstructed. But that poor little guy was a victim. Someone dumped him there. He was an unwanted puppy, the result of someone not spaying and neutering, which there is nothing more important than that. And he paid the price. He may or may not have gone after someone's cattle, I don't know, but someone chose to shoot him in the face. And that was not his fault. And I felt like he deserved what it took. And we had donors from all over the world. When his face hit Facebook, uh, we were so grateful that we got the support that we needed to reconstruct that little face. And I, I just am thrilled for him and the life that he's living. And he is an adored pet. He now lives in Ohio. We stay in touch with his family. I think the best way to show your animals that you love and care for them is to give them a proper home in which to live. And they need the medical care. I cannot stress enough the importance of spaying and neutering. We deal with so many unwanted litters, and the females who aren't fixed are going to get mammary cancer, and the males are going to get testicular cancer, and that's metastatic to the bones. And we've taken several of those in, and it's heartbreaking. And there's so many reduced costs or even free services that will help people if that's not a monetary uh, ability that you have. But meeting their medical needs Letting them be a part of your home and not tied out alone. Um, their body temperature is not much difference, different than ours. And when you're cold, they're cold. When you're hot, they're hot. And so many are frightened of storms. And I just think we don't appreciate the dedication they have to us. We've had animals surrendered to us and they will literally sit and watch for hours and days for that person to come back and um, it's really gut-riching to see. So I, I really want people when they adopt to think through, am I going to get this animal and keep it for the duration of its life? 
Am I dedicated to finding another house if I have to move, if you rent that allows pets? Uh, when I have children, am I going to take the time to have the patience to acclimate them to one another? Uh, do I have the financial ability to take care of them? Um, it's like a child. Um, obviously, it's not a child, but it's as helpless and it remains helpless throughout its life. So it's a big dedication. It's a 15-year plan if you get a puppy or a kitten, and some live longer than that. So I just urge people to take very seriously that step. And if you're not ready, that's fine. Everyone doesn't have to have a pet. If you're not in that situation, you can go to shelters and they will welcome you walking pets that never get to leave their concrete runs. There are organizations like ours that would welcome volunteers or fosters. If you foster, we pay all the bills. So there are so many options that you can choose if you love animals, but you know in your heart, your life is not going to be at a point where you can promise a forever home, then I suggest that you don't. I think it's a very serious commitment. Our biggest help uh, for this organization, um, other than people who are local and who can foster, we can't save animals if we don't have foster homes, is to help with donations. We welcome uh, donations made directly to our vet. We don't ever want anyone to doubt where their hard-earned money is going, and we tell people constantly, if you prefer to donate to our vet, we will give you that number. Uh, we have uh, a link on our website for PayPal. Uh, some people decide they want to donate um, food to us, and you can order it through Chewy, and that is sent to us. Uh, we also, for people who are close in, um, in the Tennessee, Middle Tennessee area, we always welcome the donation of of quilts and comforters, uh, bedding, thick bedding for older animals. Uh, we go through so much. We go through bleach and detergent. I mean, there's so many things outside of the normal realm. You think of leashes and collars, which are always a need, and finances, which are a huge need. But there's so many household things that we we have to buy to keep things clean and, and to provide for our fosters. Litter for cats, um, crates. It, the list goes on and on. There are so many needs. But the hands-on people and the people who are willing to open their home and foster an animal, that is the biggest gift. It is a huge gift. You've changed an animal's life, and people will say, well, it'll just break my heart. And I learned a long time ago that I have to tell myself that I will be heartbroken if a very adoptable animal dies in a shelter far more than I will be if I watch it walk off with a new adopter who has been screened thoroughly and who's going to provide a loving home. And we can't do that without foster homes. So that is a huge need. What I do is very time consuming. Um, I'm usually online until late at night and the next morning it starts again. Um, many, many requests for help and trying to sort out who we can actually help and have space for and then arranging medical treatments and fundraising and meetings to pull all of this off. It, it really is time consuming. And I will say it is, there are times when it's very um, dark, for lack of a better word, because I'm seeing so many sad situations. But then I have to bring myself back around and look at the end results of the ones we help. And so I would have to say my only sane time and quiet time is morning. The rest of the day I'm, I'm pretty wide open, 
but I'm thankful for that quiet time. And I am an early riser. I'm usually awake by 5 or 5.30, and the house is quiet, and I, my feet don't hit the ground until I've prayed. Um, I know that's the most sane part of my day. And um, in addition to praying for family and friends, I always cover Proverbs because I say this is God's rescue. And uh, I do have the Jesus Calling book, and it's worn and tattered. And I just love that it speaks in first person because I think we forget that God is talking to us through Jesus and that He wants our attention. And it is a first person perspective. He's talking to each one of us one-on-one, -on -one, if we'll listen. And um, I have read this book so many times. I read it every year. I just, I keep it on my end table by into the sofa where I sit. And I think my favorite day's devotion is May 30th. It says, time with me cannot be rushed. When you're in a hurry, your mind flitters back and forth between me and the tasks ahead of you. Push back the demands pressing in on you. Create a safe place around you, a haven in which you can rest with me. I also desire this time of focused attention. I use it to bless you strengthening and equipping you for the day ahead. Thus, spending time with me is a wise investment. Bring me the sacrifice of your precious time. This creates sacred space around you and a space permeated with my presence and my peace. I think this one is my favorite simply because I relate so much to the fact that time is precious and mine is so special parsed out that I have to make it a priority or it won't happen, and we all have to do that. Regardless of what you do, we're all pulled in many directions, and if you don't set that time set that time aside, it won't happen. And I just love that it says, push back the demands pressing in on you and create a safe space around you, a haven in which you can rest in me. And I need that continue what I'm doing. And we all need that. It isn't unique to me. Um, God created in all of us that need. Through the years, that initial sight at the city dump has stayed with me. And sadly, there's still situations like that. We get animals that have been abandoned. Um, we got a dog this week that was indistinguishable. Someone had found him on the side of the road and his matting had turned into dreadlocks. He had one mat so tightly around his leg that the circulation was almost cut off. You couldn't see his face. Um, it was just heartbreaking. And he was taken to a vet, and the vet clinic is our primary vet uh, office. And they called and asked if we would accept him. Of course, I said yes without even having seen him. And he's been shaved down and, and gotten his initial vetting. He's an old man. His name's Stanley. And Stanley will go to a hospice foster and live out the rest of his days. I can't imagine what he endured, the cold of this past winter. He didn't get in this condition overnight. This is months and months and months of neglect. But in spite of that, he is so happy and so grateful. And that's the one thing about animals, I think, that draws me into them so much. I truly believe that they're everything God meant for us to be 
but we fall so short. They love you unconditionally. They forgive. They don't hold grudges. The ones uh, I'll cry talking about it, but I've seen so many that have been through so much, and they still wag their tail, and they're willing to give another human an opportunity. And I think, gosh, we could learn so much if we could just be like that. They live totally in the day. The sun's shining, they're lying on their back, soaking up the sun, they're not worried about tomorrow. They're not moaning over yesterday. They're enjoying the day. And I just marvel at what they are, and I'm sitting here wiping tears, but <laughs> they are priceless. To learn more about how you can help Proverbs 12.10, or to learn how you can adopt one of your animals into your family, please visit Proverbs1210rescue.org. And don't forget to like them on Facebook or follow them on Twitter or Instagram so you can see their incredible work and adorable photos of adoptable friends. Stay tuned for our chat with musician and actress Erlene Mandrell after a brief message about a free offer from Jesus Calling. We often hear how Jesus Calling devotions help readers recognize the loving relationship God wants to have with each of us. God sends us blessings in many forms, but one of His most joyful gifts is our pets. Whether you're a dog lover, a cat person, or have a love for all God's creatures, we all can learn a thing or two about loyalty, devotion, and unconditional love through our pets. Now available at JesusCalling.com offers, we have a lovely, free, downloadable piece called Six Things Pets Teach Us. Included with these special thoughts on pets are Jesus Calling devotional excerpts that help us reflect on God's care for us and His unconditional love. Get your free download of Six Things Pets Teach Us at JesusCalling.com offers. Now, back to our show. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Our next guest is musician and actress Erlene Mandrell. Growing up, Erlene saw her fair share of miracles as she watched her sister Barbara rise to country music fame then saw her sister Louisa's star rise alongside her own as the three formed the group Barbara Mandrell and the Mandrell Sisters. Today, Erlene reflects on everyday miracles and special relationships she's had with her family, her pets, and with God. 
I'm Erlene Mandrell, and I think most people know me from the 80s TV show that I did with my sister, Barbara Mandrell and the Mandrell Sisters. And then for eight years, the last eight years, I was on a show called Hee Haw, and it ran for 25, so um, I was still kind of new to the show compared to some of the people that were on there for the whole 25, but it was so much fun. Great times, great memories. I have two sisters, Barbara and Louise, and we were all born in Texas, and my dad was a policeman there, and I'm sure that's a lot of why I have the love for our, all of our uh, first responders and uh, military, but he retired from the police force in Corpus Christi, Texas, where Louise and I were born, and we went to California, where his older brother was. And when dad got out there, he found that he couldn't, there wasn't reciprocity he couldn't be a policeman because he was a policeman in California because he was a policeman in Texas. He always worked hard and he did a lot of jobs. But I'm sure that was a great disappointment. You know, and a lot of people, you know, now you can look back and say, oh, God had a plan. You know, there was, there was this puzzle. But at the time, I'm sure that was devastating. And so in California, you know, my dad did different jobs until we moved to Oceanside, where he ended up buying a music store. When my mom had met dad, she was in playing p keyboard, piano, and, and organ in her brother's church in uh, Fairfield, Illinois. And my dad and his brother, his brother that was a preacher, was an evangelist at the time. They traveled from Arkansas and played at my, uh, and preached and played at my mom's brother's church, Uncle Ralph's. So that's how they met. And my dad fell for my mom, and he left, and he said, I'm coming back for you. And I guess it was probably just a few months later, and he came back. They ended up getting married. And after they traveled around for a while, they ended up in Texas. But leading up um, to when mom and dad got to Texas was there was a miracle that happened when they lived there uh, for a little while. It's, it has to do with Christmas, and every year, we always make a cake for baby Jesus, but every year I would share a miracle from our family to my kids and say if things had happened differently, none of us would be there. So when uh, my mom was expecting, and everything was great way before we were born. So um, she had moved to Texas with my, with my dad, and they didn't know anybody there, so it was just them. And she went into labor on Christmas Eve. And everything was fine until it wasn't. Things just changed really quickly. So the doctor came to my dad and he said, I'm sorry, but there's nothing I can do. There's a problem and I cannot save your wife or your child. So my dad was out front, and I'll start to cry at this one, sorry. <laughs> my dad was out front and he started praying and this now, my dad's name is Irby, or was. I lost him about eight years ago. But in the Navy, they called him Arby because they always came up with nicknames, and he was from Arkansas. And so it was just the Navy people, and all of a sudden, here's Arby? And he turned, and my dad was a pharmacist mate in the Navy. This was a doctor that he had served under during World War II, so it was major time. And uh, so he came up, and he turned out to be the doctor in charge of that hospital. And he asked the problem. He says, well, let me see what I can do. I'm not the doctor on the case, but let me just see. So he came back and he said, I'm going to take over 
but I also want, you know, these days you couldn't do it, but he wanted Daddy to assist like he used to. So on Christmas morning, my mom survived and my sister Barbara was born. So that's our big Christmas miracle. My dad had um, grown up, as he was growing up, he had sang with his brother and sister, and they just loved music, but music had already been part of his life. And at the time, by the time he did this, Barbara was a young teenager, but when she was 11 and 12, Dad had a friend come over that was a musician that played steel guitar, and she wanted to play, so he started giving her lessons, and she was 11, and by the time, even before she turned 12, by a few months, she was already playing like a pro and demonstrating this instrument. And uh, a real good friend of my dad's, Joe Mafis, it was Joe and Rosie Mafis, they were on a show called Town Hall Party, and a lot of the uh, Bakersfield TV shows back then. He was actually called King of the Strings. He played a double-neck guitar. And when he saw Barbara, because he was a good friend of Dad's, he goes, I didn't know she played like that. And Dad said, well, she's been playing a few months. He goes, can I pitch her for a show? So he got her on a show in Las Vegas at the showboat with Johnny Cash and Patsy Cline, um, George Jones, and, and just all of the people that you think of from that day, you know, and um, it was just incredible. So when Dad bought this music store, it was perfect for Barbara. And she could go in there and basically play whatever instrument after a while. She, in junior high, took saxophone, but they, they put her in the high school band. And uh, so anyway, she was a musical prodigy. And I don't know that we would have known that if Dad hadn't gotten left the police department in Texas and gotten back involved with music. By the time Barbara was 16, Dad had a Mandrell family band. She learned bass because they needed a bass player. And they would do um, shows for military bases all, all up and down the coast in California. And then they ended up going during the Vietnam War overseas um, not USO, but to places that are normally not reached by anybody from the States, by any entertainment. You know, she, they performed for the men who needed their morale lifted, but a little more dangerous, so people didn't normally go there to entertain. After a couple of those tours, then they came back and Barbara retired at 18 because she got married to who was the drummer, Ken Dudney. He became a Navy pilot and got stationed in Washington State. So then um, my sister Louise and I with mom and dad moved to Tennessee, New Bern, Tennessee, very country, very much of a culture shock for kids who have only been raised in California. And my dad's other brother was there. And he had a church. He was a preacher. And he had a church in New Bern, Tennessee, but he told Dad to come, and they would build houses together and do real estate. So after we were there for three or four months, then Ken went to Germany, and Barbara came to visit us. And then she and Dad went to the Opry, and she said, I can't take it, you know, I should be up there. He said, well, if you'll stick with it, I'll manage you, I'll get behind you, and we'll go for it. So um, she went to Nashville, and then when Ken got out of the Navy, he came to uh, live in Nashville with us. And it's been 
It, she's retired now for 20 years, but she was in it for a long, long time. We had gone our separate ways before the television show. Um, Louise has started recording in her own right. When Barbara went, now she had already won Entertainer of the Year in the CMA Entertainer of the Year a few times, and of course female vocalist even before that and stuff, doing really well. So she went out to, uh, with my dad to talk to a few people about a television show. Well, the one person that they were really locking into was Marty Croft going into NBC. And he told her, he said, well, I know that family shows work because he had such a success previously with the Osmond family. He goes, do you have anybody in the family that you work with? And she goes, well, I used to work with my sisters. They sing and play instruments and were part of my band. They are doing their own thing. They said, come in and do the Mike Douglas show and they'll watch. Well, Barbara did Mama Don't Allow No Music and went around to all the instruments and Louise is playing bass and I'm drumming and we got the TV show from that. That's a miracle, I think. But uh, to, to get a show, you know, because it, it was, um, back then it was three networks and we had like 40 million people a week viewing. So it was, it was incredible. I've had wonderful, times and, and great lives and I thank God you know growing up you can when you say oh, thank you God I had the best mother and father and family you've just blessed me but now I not only have them but I have three kids and a granddaughter that's just precious and I just got married three years ago and what happened was I sold my house in Gallatin because my dad had passed away eight years ago and my mom's in this big house on the lake and she goes, I want to stay in this house, but I'm so lonely here by myself. So I moved in and um, at that time, um, I, didn't, I didn't have but one dog that actually belonged to my daughter who also moved in with me. We now have the little Maltese and Gabriel, and then we took Heather's dog, because she also has rescue rabbits, and, and when Pat, she was with Pat, it kind of became Pat's uh, dog anyway, but she got this double Dotson, double dappled Dotson. She went to this place to get this dog that she wanted, and someone told her where to go, and she didn't realize that it was kind of like a puppy farm, and there was this little blind and deaf puppy that had been pushed away from its mom and she knew that they wouldn't let it survive. And she said, I'm taking that one. So since birth, this little doggy has been blind and deaf and he gets around so great, Peyton. So we have Peyton and Gabriel. Now they're wonderful and my mom's great with them. They're like, they're like your kids, but um, they just, they give so much comfort and um, they are part of the family. But you know, I have all these stories that I've thought would make a great book. I've been writing a journal for years and years and finally put it together. But um, it's called God Reigns Miracles. We have so many miracles in our family was the reason I decided to write the book. And when I'm not working, I'm with my kids and my grandbaby, and my mom is still doing great. And it's like you want to just, if you could wish anything, you wish God could just slow down time a little bit <laughs> because everything's so wonderful. And I just find myself thanking Him more than I know that we all need to spend our time in prayer. But um, I don't do enough of that. When you don't have time to think about praying all the time, still, the first, when you first get up in the morning, 
and you just maybe have your coffee or I, I have a few cups so I can read a lot. And you sit back and you read your devotional. Jesus Calling is such an incredible book and it just gives you inspiration and the way it's written it's just so easy to understand and think about what God is really telling us and how much God loves us. And I think that's so important. And I'm going to try to read it. I'm not the best reader, but it says, I am able to do far beyond all that you ask or imagine. Come to me with positive expectations, knowing that there is no limit to what I can accomplish. I love this Jesus Calling the Devotional because of things like that, that tell people and remind us that God's there. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers, I think, because we'll look back and see why and say, thank you for not answering that prayer. I think especially in some of the relationships we get in that you pray for somebody and then like, why didn't you fix that? And you look back and go, oh, <laughs> because that person wasn't good for me. But it's like, just feels so good. The Holy Spirit starts working because it keeps reminding you of how God's working in your life. If you'd like to learn more about Earlene's book, God Reigns Miracles, please visit EarleneMandrell.com. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we talk with actress Chrissy Metz, star of NBC's hit show, This Is Us, and the new inspirational movie, Breakthrough. Breakthrough is the story of one mother's deep faith in God amid what appeared to be an impossible situation. Chrissy shares that she relies on prayer when she finds herself in her own seemingly impossible situations. Oh, I pray. <laughs> I absolutely pray, and I ask for understanding and for the willingness to, to do what it is that I am supposed to do and not what Chrissy wants to do. Um, but yeah, I pray. Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live. Find previously broadcast interviews on our YouTube channel, on IGTV, or on JesusCalling.com video.